we're going to share just a little bit about uh, going public. That God gave me this IPO thing and this initial public offering and, and this example that uh, there, there's something about going, once you go public with it, <laughs> there's, there's, there's some kind of accountability there. There's something there that, that forces us to go, to go forward. And, and we go public with our faith. But I think we go public in our faith many times uh, here. <laughs> or we go public in our faith in our house and we tell our kids all about it. But do we go public in our faith everywhere that we go? I know Steve Thals, you know, he spends a lot of time uh, going around and helping businessmen learn how to basically go public with their faith in their company, how to live what they hear and, and learn on Sundays, how to live that and how to, how to procreate that in their business. And he spends a lot of time doing that, and people actually pay him money to go learn how to do that. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity to go and to find out, how can I do this in my business? Well, many of us aren't business owners. We don't have those kind of things. Many of us are employers or those kind of things. How can you live this thing in your life? When Woody Woodson was here on Wednesday, if you were not here, uh, I'm telling you, you, you missed a, a great night. And the uh, place was, was packed, black chairs, you know, brought out, and everybody excited, jumping up and down. And, and Woody had a great word, and you need to get online, get it, victorylafayette.org, find it there, you know, do all that kind of stuff. But... I'm telling you, when he, when he got up, he said, it's time, it really cut me. He said, it's time for the church to care again. And it just, it kind of stopped me on my tracks. And I haven't been able to lose that statement. You know, I mean, I wrote it down, of course, and, but I, that just continues to roll around in my, it's time for the church to care again. That really, we've gotten so busy as a church, I think, protecting our rights, he said, protecting who we are and protecting things, that we've, we've stopped caring about the people who are, who are out there. Many times, in many instances, you know, you've tried to reach this person three, four times, and you say, I'm done with them. They deserve what they get. They know better. You know, all of these, these, these things, well, all those are really are, are, are excuses for us to, to not care anymore. And he said, you know, the anointing comes with a cause. And if there is no cause, then there is no anointing because the anointing is there for us to do good, to do his work in this earth. And so we, we, on one hand, cry out for something that's not available unless we care, not available unless we love. In Isaiah 61, it's the passage of Scripture that Jesus was quoting in Luke chapter 4. And it says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and an opening of the prison doors to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance for our God. And that's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. But if it goes on, it says, to comfort all of those who mourn, to care, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, to care. I mean, what would it be like if, if everywhere we went, we cared? He said, well, I, I, do, I do care. And, and I think to some level or to some extent, we do. But again, as we talked last Sunday, it was about not just what you think or say, it's about what you do. And do your actions say that you care? Do our actions, when we, when we see that person you know, at the grocery store, like Woody shared, you know, that didn't have enough money, was putting back their groceries, it pulls on our hearts. But do we do anything? Like Brad said, you know, immediately we can, we can go into accounting mode and we can come up with 14 reasons why it won't work, why it shouldn't work, why it can't work. You know, Elizabeth has run back into the grocery more times than one to take care of something that she thought she should have taken care of when she was in there. Now she just takes care of it. 
If somebody doesn't have something, she pays for it. If she feels to buy something for somebody, she buys it for them. Why? Because she cares. There's compassion in her heart, and she can't get away from this thing that says, bringing the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of happiness. Why? So that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You know, love always finds a way. Love will find a way. Compassion will find a way. That caring thing that pops up in your heart, that pulls on the inside of you, it'll find a way. Jesus, you know, it says that, that, that really he was moved with compassion. And it wasn't just this thing that says, oh, that poor soul. It was a moving and a stirring that was so deep on the inside of him that, I mean, it was, it was a pulling. And now, our, our, I, think we, uh, I think we get that. But what we need to do, I know what I need to do probably in my, is act on that more. I have a real quick way to just say, yeah, I mean, I'm telling you what, I, I've, I've seen this guy a hundred times. You know, I've dealt with him a hundred times. I, I'm tired of Todd's stuff. It's just the way that it is. You know, I, I, come on, you know. <laughs> Not Todd, he's doing fine. But, you know, it's, a, it's that kind of thing. You know, it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, that, that if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be filled. But the question that I have for us today really is, what do you do with what you're filled with? Because your life won't be complete and full if you don't share what you've been filled with. There, there have been, there, you know, I mean, you, you take it all in and you get so excited and then it just stirs. And it does this thing like Woody's. He shared that message on love and it's time for the church to love and the time for the church to care again. And that just stirs on the inside. But if we just stew on that we take that word we listen to it we get it but then we don't ever do anything about it what good is it you know it just it just sits there then just begins to stagnate so we have to be able to move out we have to be able to 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 do what he calls us to do i ask this question too because god asked me so i just ask you so i don't have to just deal with it myself i can ask you do 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 you in your life have a heart for the lost or just a heart for what you have lost gets quiet i think you stop breathing it's it's to the you know do you have a heart for the lost or just a heart for what you have lost because i think a lot of people say god when i when i when i re- am restored when I, when I, when you refill me with whatever it is that i when you pour into my when you make a way then i'll be able to yeah i've got a heart for what i've lost but do i really have a heart for the lost because that's jesus heart said he came into this earth, really, to serve, not to be served, to pour his life out for us. That everywhere that he went, he healed those who were sick. He went to the brokenhearted. He was the one who went to the sick because he was the physician. He wasn't the one who did things the way that all the other church people did. He wasn't the one that just dealt with the church people. He was the one who dealt with the people in the streets. I kind of think like Matthew Barnett. Do you know Matthew Barnett? You know, he's out there at the Dream Center in L.A. Uh, it's, that's, that's his heart. For his 30th birthday, I think it is, it's in his book, A Cause Within You, and uh, I think it was his 30th birthday, but he'd been doing this for a while since he was 19 years old. His dad went out there, started this church. He felt like he was supposed to take it, so he took the church, and he, he worked it all the way down to, to one person. <laughs> and then no people. The last Sunday, no people. 
He stood outside to shake hands, and no people showed up. He'd worked it from 25 down to zero or whatever it was. And then God took him out, and he showed him the misery that was all around him. He showed him all the... the, He made him sit in this dangerous park where there was nothing but prostitutes and and, and drug dealers and gangbangers and strung out people and homeless and everything. He showed them all around and take care of these people. No, you don't understand. I got nobody in my church. Yeah, take care of these people. And as he began to do that, it just began to explode. But his heart, when his 30th birthday came along, he felt like he had been doing this so long that he had forgotten what he was doing. He'd almost lost the heart to care so you know what he did he he went to a guy who was homeless who had been homeless who was working for him on staff and he had him give him the 101 on on homeless because he said if i went out there I, i i would stick out like a sore thumb but he said i felt like i was supposed to go out there for 24 hours that god was leading me for my birthday to go out there and spend that 24 hours on the streets with the people who he called me to but he said, I, I, you know, I, I, I would stick out like a sore thumb. So he said, I, you know, I talked to this guy. He, he told me what, what to do, how to act, how to, you know, all of those things so that I, w- I would fit in amongst that group. And so he went out, put his wallet on the table, put all of his stuff on the table, and he went out, dropped me off, and just dropped him off, got his cardboard thing, and, and spent 24 hours on the streets. Why? Because he needed a heart that cared. And, he, and, he, and he, was, he was coming to a point in his life where he was busy doing life, but he, he, he somehow had stopped living the life, maybe. I'm adding some things maybe to what he had said in his book and what he has written. We, we, can't, we can't get to that point. If we, stop, if we stop gathering those vessels, if we stop bringing them in to the kingdom of God, the oil stops, right? Second, it's 2 Second Kings chapter 4. It's a story of Elisha and the widow. And that, that, that she was in trouble, and, and this isn't necessarily a story about finances and those things, but she was, she was bankrupt, she was in trouble, her husband had died, she had her sons, they were getting ready to come and take her sons from her, and, and, and take them into debtor's prison or wherever they took them, and, and Elisha came and said, listen, there's a different way, God has an answer for you. And he told her, go and gather all the vessels or all the pots that you can, that you can get. And so she went out and she, she sent her sons out and they brought them all into the house. And he said, now begin to pour the oil. And as she poured the oil, the oil never stopped flowing until the vessels ran out. That she could continue to pour as long as there was a vessel. But as soon as the last vessel was filled, the oil stopped. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an idea that says, are there any new people, any visitors, any first-time folks? Creek, creek. Crick, crick, crickets. Mm. It's kind of hard as a church because that's really our mandate, is it not? I'm not trying to smash your toes. Say, I love you. Okay, all right, I love you too. But, but really, is that not our, is that not our, uh, that's, our, that's, our, that's our mandate. Not necessarily to live the life that he has called us to live, although that is what he's put us in this earth to do, but that life to live is to bring people to Christ. So no vessels. No oil. Now, you're all vessels. We're all vessels. And so God continues to pour out in our lives, and as you pour out, he'll continue to flow. In Acts chapter 1, you know, he says that the, that the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out in your life, that there's going to be power that's poured out in your life. He told the disciples, hang out here, because I'm going to fill you with this power 
this anointing, the, the, the oil that flows from the throne room of God. I'm going to pour this into your life here, and it's going to give you power. It's going to bring power into your life. Power to be witnesses, it says. In the New Living Testament, it says power to tell everybody around you about Jesus. That's, that's why we're here. That, that, I mean, that is, that's, and then in Acts chapter 2, it happens. And all of a sudden, this, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit hits this room where they were. I would imagine like us all sitting here together in one accord as we worship and as we're praying and going about our business and the Holy Spirit knocks the windows out of the place and all of a sudden there's a wind that rushes through and, and there's a, a, a little thing of fire sitting on everybody's head. They begin to speak in tongues and they're filled with this power. And what do they do? They flow out into the streets. They didn't say, oh, Katie, bar the doors, man. We've got to keep this thing in here. We gotta find out what this is. We gotta figure this out. We have to do that. No, they'd all spilled out into the streets. Why? Because the oil isn't just for them. The anointing isn't just for them. That power of the Holy Spirit that's been poured into their life isn't just for them. It's for the people who are outside those doors, whether they knew it or not, whether they they, they understood it or not, whether they whether they could act and flow it. I mean, it was the first day. The first hour of the first day that they've had this thing, and they flow back out into the streets. And then Peter gets up and he proclaims that, that listen, this is, what, this is what Joel said, that, that this is that outpouring. This, this is, we are in those days, and he has poured it out in our lives. And I am telling you, folks, you need to get yourself straight and get yourself right. And then as he does that over those next two chapters, like seven, 8,000 people come to the Lord because of that outpouring, filling vessels. And the book of Acts is, is interesting. There's highs and lows, and there's, there's great things that God did, and, and, you know, people that were changed. And, but there were also, like, you know, the disciples were, you know, they're stoned. And, you know, I mean, they, they had a tough existence in that. Yeah, that's kind of the way that it is. But God wants to use you to take care of or to touch other people. He wants to use me. But we have to be willing, we have to, be willing to do that. I'm telling you, if there's no cause, there's no anointing. God will give you the measure that you need for the cause that he's placed in your heart. Just like Brad said, just like Elizabeth said, there's nothing that he won't provide that you need. When that compassion wells up on the inside of you, do something about it. Don't think about how you'll lack if you do. That that shouldn't even come into to our minds that shouldn't even be a thought we just act jesus was moved with compassion and he healed all those who were sick moved with compassion see but when you go public with your when you go public that you're you're giving up the rights really to make those private decisions and so we have to kind of make that we have to make that call initial public offering it's that idea that says twitter's about to do it if you know about twitter they're about ready to take this thing public They're going to go to the public and say, you can all buy shares, and then technically, you know, as a shareholder, you you have a certain say in what happens or goes on. It doesn't necessarily always work exactly that way, because your one share is not going to go anywhere. But you buy enough shares, you have enough say. It's it's this this idea, will you go public? Because once you go public, then you kind of take away the rights. Nobody really knows what the Zuckerman guy from Facebook is doing when they're private. 
He doesn't have to tell anybody anything. He doesn't have to tell investors anything. He doesn't have to answer to anybody. It's his company. It's his thing. But as soon as he goes public, then everything has to come out into the open. Now, not to us who are sitting around, but to the people who are part of that company. Now he has to be forthright. Now he has to talk about a lot of stuff. Now he has to say things. Now there has to be vision. There's got to be a, there's a different side to public and private. And we can't be public, or we can't be private Christians. God didn't call us to be private Christians. He called us to be public Christians. The Great Commission, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Making disciples everywhere that you go. You know, it's at the end of Matthew, it's at the end of Mark. Don't let the oil stop flowing. Because I think, you know, oh, God, if you could just do this, I could minister to so many more people. <laughs> minister to the ones that are in front of you. I don't like those people. <laughs> I want these other people. That was kind of, that wasn't Matthew Barnett's prayer in that book. That wasn't what he was necessarily saying, but it was kind, it was kind of the gist. Why do you have us here in this place? Why have you put us in, in the midst of all these people who are down and out and, and, who, and who are hookers and all these things? And like, why have you placed us here? Because the physician comes to those who are sick. You have the antidote for those who are lost and lonely and hurting. You're the doctor and you have the antidote. Would you hold back if your children needed? No, you'd pour it out. I think physically, if somebody came across our path and we literally had like the pill that would cure what they had, we would give it to them. But spiritually, see, I think sometimes we hold back. The pill doesn't have anything to do with us, right? It's the pill. The doctor made it. The pharmaceutical company made it. I just give it to you and the pill works. I got, hey, I'm not touching it. I mean, that's, it's the pill. If it doesn't work, it's the pill. If it's not me. It's just this pill. I, I just was the guy in the right place. Well, listen, the reason that we don't take that same thing spiritually and pour it out to the people who are around us is because we don't have that kind of thought. It's not us that heals, saves, and delivers. It's God. All you're doing is delivering the pill. All you're doing is transferring the antidote to the person who's there. But we, we really have, a, we have an, an issue with that. You know, Corey shared in the, in the last session a little bit about this. And, you know, we don't, we don't need to be better witnesses. You know, you go to class, you could read a book on how to witness, on how to share your testimony, on those kind of things. We need to take down the walls between us and witnessing. Because you all have a story. You all have an irrefutable story of what God has done in your life. We all have, God has done something. If you're just saved, then you have something. Many of you have walked with God for a long time. You have a testimony. You have a story. There's something on the inside of you that God has done. People cannot refute that. You share that, and it's God's responsibility to take care of the rest. I pour out the oil, and he pours back in. If we had enough jars, God, we would be able to be all right. We need more jars to, to fill up in our house, and then we'll, we'll be okay. There are jars all over the place. Everywhere you go, there's a jar. Everywhere you go, there's a vessel. Are we pouring out the oil so that he can pour back into us? Listen, you can't do what he can do. 
You can't do what he can do. But he's, he needs us to do what he does. I mean, it, we can't be God. We can't save anybody. But listen, he has chosen this way to work and operate in the earth through flesh and blood, us. That yes, there are pastors and teachers and evangelists and all those things to do what? Train up folks not to be better people. It doesn't say that he has called those into the five-fold ministry, given them those gifts so that they can make the people who come into their church and their meetings and across their paths better people. It doesn't say in the Bible that you need to work harder to be gooder. It's not a word, I understand. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't, you know, we, we have made that the case. We have put that burden on ourselves. We have said, if, 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 I, if I just listen to what the pastor's saying, my life's going to be better. If you do what the pastor says, your life will be better. If you do what the minister says, your life will be better. But I'm telling you, the things that the ministers and the pastors and the people that you're listening to, the baseline of that particular message, I don't care what it is, is people. Why? Because that's his heart. That's not just in my head, is it? Sometimes I think I hear stuff, so I I wasn't... I want to make sure that's not just me. Be bold. If you, want to st- if, if you want to keep that oil flowing in your life, be bold. I'm going crazy here, Tim. Let me go this direction. Oh, this is just... <laughs> Might as well tie me to the pulpit. What am I going to do with only one hand? Armor bear, come, hold my microphone. No, <laughs> boom mic. I need a boom mic. We'll see how this goes. But, but will you be bold? I, I know there's, 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 you go from chapter 2 and you go to chapter 3 and they, they, they tell the guy, silver and gold I don't have, you know, and they talk about boldness and they bring him up and, and those kind of things. But listen, Ananias in chapter 9, I mean, he was sent, it wasn't like somebody that came across his path like this blind guy at the gate in chapter 3 of Acts. This was God speaking to Ananias. Now listen, it happens all these different ways. God will put a burden in your heart for somebody, but he'll also bring people across your path. It it doesn't work just one way or the other. And when when he he puts a burden in your heart for somebody, then he's going to begin to to give you a plan. He's going to be able to give you the words. He's going to be able to give you the finances if you need finances to reach that. He'll give you the provision that you need to make it. It's going to be awkward. It might be uncomfortable. You're going to have opportunities to be fearful. Those are all the reasons why we don't give them the antidote. But listen, it's absolutely necessary. God spoke to Ananias and said, go, <laughs> go find the guy who's, who's persecuting Christians and pray for him. Excuse me, sir, no. We, we, we say, God, send me. He sends us, not to that one. 
Go talk to your boss. Go talk to your brother-in-law. Go talk to the guy down the road. Send me someplace else. That guy knows my past. He knows my history. I feel like a hypocrite. There's all these reasons and all these things and all these excuses why we can't just share the gospel. And so Ananias says, I'll be bold, I'll go. I think many of us say this, that's not my personality. Boldness isn't a personality. Boldness isn't necessarily, as Corey was explaining to us yesterday, it's not just standing on your soapbox and swinging your Bible. He said there's a guy at Purdue who he used to go when he worked at Purdue and was was going to school there who stood in in the the mall and he had a sign of all the people that were going to hell because they didn't listen. He said it was really nice because then he knew, you know, as long as his name's not on the list, he's okay. You know, and, and, and that guy would say, he would say, I'm bold. It's, it's not, it's, that's not boldness. Boldness is plainly. See, boldness is in the anointing, sharing the gospel in a way in which they understand. It's not backing down in the, the face of fear and adversity and all those reasons and excuses why we can't. It's not a personality. It's speaking with confidence. And listen, you say, well, I don't have any idea. I've never been to Bible school. I mean, I just got saved. I haven't been around very long. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Listen, these cats just went around in Acts, and all they did was talk about what they had seen and heard. Their biggest accusation, and God let it be for us too, is that they had been with Jesus. We don't know what to do with these untrained, unskilled men. Hallelujah. I fit in. Right? Unskilled and untrained. That's just what you want, working on your crew on the roof, right? A bunch of unskilled, untrained guys. But if they'd been with Jesus, sir, we can only, they said, we can only only say what we've seen and heard. It's irrefutable truth to us. You're the one who killed him, not me. I'm just telling everybody what he did. What has God done for you? What is your testimony? What is your story? This year, Woody came and talked about love and those things. But, you know, last year he came and talked about the power of the testimony. I would encourage you. And I did then just as I would now. And what is your story? Do you even know it? I think many of us, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't really know what that story is. For me in my life many times, that's why I'm running around not sure what I'm doing or where I'm going because I don't even remember the story. We get so busy with, with the affairs and the things that are going on in life and what's happening all around us that, that we've forgotten the story. That we were horrible, wretched sinners. Maybe you weren't. But Jesus saved us. I mean, he, he transformed us. He changed us. I heard Brad say on, on Saturday, yesterday, that, that when, when he had this, this experience, it, it changed his life so much, it freaked everybody out around him. And just to hear him say it again, I saw a little freshness and a little smile. You know, we just said, hey, get together and, and share. How did, you, how did you come to find the Lord? Why would you do that? Because you got to speak what you've seen and heard. Write down what God said. Be bold, plain. Be bold, confident. 
Be bold. Give them the antidote that they need. And the last part, really, of all that that, that, that God shared with me was, for me, it was, the last, it, was the, it was the last thing, you know, erasing the line between my public and private life. That, that, it, are you going to go public? Are you going to come out of the closet, so to speak? Are you, are you going to step out into to who I called you to be and not draw a line and turn it off? Are you going to be open? We always want me time. I have a daughter who comes home from college, and she's in a sorority with like 80 girls, and she doesn't like girls. <laughs> Don't ask me. I just, it doesn't make any sense to me either. She doesn't enjoy, she doesn't enjoy that. She, so she comes home every so often, and she's not coming home to necessarily hang with us because Daddy gets disappointed when she comes home. She comes home to wrap herself up in her little comforter that she loves, sit on the couch, eat everything in the refrigerator, watch dumb TV, and have me time. Me time. Now, I'm not saying that God will grant you and give you the desires of your heart. But you will never be more fulfilled in your life. You'll never be more fulfilled. We think if we give away these things, we're going to lose this. And so we try to hang on. And I'm telling you what happens, the oil stops. Galatians 2.20. says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God or frustrate the grace of God. I don't, I don't set it aside for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. That I'm going to go forward. I'm going to move forward in what he has. One other thing Woody had said somewhere along the way there, and it, I'm telling you, it, he, I, I have these little messages and these, these things that God gives me along the way, and, and one of them... It, it, Jesus, some of his greatest miracles happened when he was interrupted. Inconvenience. Inconvenience will stop the flow. Don't let inconvenience stop the flow. I can't be interrupted right now. Listen, Jesus was hurting because John had been beheaded and he went to a lonely place and sat down to be with his father. And what happened? All these people showed up and interrupted him. All these people came. And, and, it, and it says in, in Matthew chapter 14, it said he was moved with compassion in his state of having John beheaded finding out about the story, going to a solitary, Lord, I just need to be by myself for a little while so I can get some things straight. Have you said that? Can you just, God, just, just, I just want to get my stuff together. I just, and God will get your stuff together. But what he's got is a multitude of people out there who are hurting, who need what you have. And I have found in my life, and I am sure you have found in yours, that he, I, if I will pay attention to the needs of the people around me, somehow he takes care of me. That's right. 
And listen, he was interrupted in that place by all of these people. And then you know what happened? 5,000 men got fed that day. And it's a story that we talk about and we teach all the time. That this little guy gave his lunch and they blessed it and they broke it and they passed it out amongst all these people and brought in all these baskets of leftovers. And the miracle that was performed that day happened when he was interrupted. Inconvenienced. Jairus, his daughter was dying in Mark chapter 5. One of the other stories that I talk about all the time, the lady with the issue of blood. That woman had come to Jesus and fought through the crowd and grabbed hold of his garment and we know she was healed. But listen, that was an interruption because he was on his way somewhere. Somebody was dying on that other side. He was headed to this place, Jairus' house, where his daughter was dying and Jesus was interrupted along the way and a woman was healed. God, use me to reach out to people who are around me, but make it convenient for me. Make it, make it be when, I, when I'm ready. Make it be when, when I know what to say. That's why he interrupts you, because he doesn't want you to say what you would say. When I try to help somebody, I screw it up. When I try to pray for somebody and I know all about their situation, it takes a lot to put all that behind you and say, God, let your oil flow. Let your oil flow. I don't want my stuff. I don't want what I said. I want what you want to say. I want to do what you want to do. I want to have you move through me, not me. You're a dude. I'm a dude. You're a lady. Whatever. We're all flesh. And flesh stinketh. And I know you, I'm very smart. Whatever. Your kids said that and they're not either. Listen. The anointing of God. The anointing of God will flow from his throne room into your life. And it will be a flow of provision. It'll be a flow that will take care of everything that you have need of to do what he called you to do. Whether it is a plan, purpose, vision set aside, or whether it's inconvenienced and interrupted along the way, I'm telling you, this is a river of provision that's going to come that as you will just open up your life and pour it out to the people who are around you, miracles will happen. Acts is a book of miracles. Things that happened in this earth because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, that, I mean, that's true. But it wouldn't have happened had these people not spilled out of that room. And Peter stood up and said what he said. And they went forward and did what they did. It kind of finishes up our deal, you know. What you're saying, what you're thinking, what you're doing. Listen, be led by the Spirit of God. Open yourself up and go public. And let Him move in your life. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. 
I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.